Well, welcome. Uh, I saw some new faces, met a, uh, a couple of new people. It's wonderful to have you here. If you're joining us on holidays uh, uh, and you don't know who I am, in fact, I haven't been on, on platform very much in the last month, um, so some of my church are like, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> uh, my wife and I are the creative directors. We're just a couple pastors on staff here. And um, I got the privilege of sharing the word this morning. I'm very pumped for this word, um, so you have to excuse any extra enthusiasm or don't. Um, <laughs> let's go. Um, but welcome. It's so good to be in the gathered house of the saints. And, uh, and I believe that in this place, this is a really important place. There's many places in life groups and other gatherings, but in this place is where we gather to really spur each other on and to, to what Jesus is doing, to what God is doing in our midst individually, but corporately what he's doing in this region, in this city, in this nation, and ultimately this world. That's God's whole redemption plan. So here, I believe that, I mean, how, how many of us know it'd be great to have some more good news on TV? Uh, and more importantly, more good news on our, uh, our phones. <laughs> There's a lot of terrible news. And so I believe that we're going to, I hope to, this morning that you will grab some hope that can get deep inside your soul. That as you go out from here, you'll carry something deeper with your walk with Jesus this morning. Uh, we're in the middle, if you don't know, we're in the middle of a, a, a series called Soul Renovations. We're actually not in the middle, right at the end of it. Today's the last day. And uh, I have the privilege of taking it home. So I personally love renovations. Um, I love tearing things down. It's just a lot of fun. Anybody like, enjoy that? Pete's like, yes, I love that. It's my best part of my job. A builder, just kind of let's tear it down and build something better. Um, and I actually want to make a bold statement that I believe what I'm preaching on this morning is actually the greatest renovation the world has ever seen. I actually thoroughly, thoroughly believe that. The more that I research, the more that I realize and realize like, uh, how, how incredible would it be if someone, if a builder came up to you and said, oh, look, your house is, it's all right, like it's doing the job, but I'm going to go ahead and knock that one down and rebuild you a new one in three days. How many of you be like, yeah, let's do it? <laughs> like, right? Like, where the builders in the house would be like, oh my gosh, I'm never, ever saying that, right? Because it'd be legitimately impossible. <laughs> no one could tear down a house completely renovated from, from the ground up in three days. But Jesus said that about a system that I believe is binding. He said, I'm going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. And people were like, well, you are a nutcase. Right? So I believe that this is the greatest renovation. And uh, if you want to turn to your Bibles with me or look on the screen, I've got one verse this morning that I believe captures this. Um, and I'm very excited about this. I don't want to take too much time because I want to spend some time in ministry too to allow the Spirit of God to minister to us this morning, if that's all right. If you want to turn to Galatians 5.1. Now, Galatians, um, for those of you that don't know, is a, is a really great little book there's a line in the message translation that Paul says, and it's like, oh, you foolish Galatians. Um, and I kind of giggle every time I hear that. And then God goes, yeah, oh, foolish Jared. Um, you know, those moments where you're like, hey, that's a great way. Oh, that's for me. Um, right, I'm with you. But Galatians, Paul wrote to them because there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of arguing around this idea of going back to, and the, the most topic, I mean, I'm glad Paul advocated for no circumcision in the book of Galatians. Um, it's like, you don't need to do it anymore, but um, there's, <laughs> all the guys agree, um, amen. Um, but there's this, it's amazing thing about Galatians, see, is um, there's this group of, of Jews, so people were being converted to Christianity, and there's some Jews that were going, no, we need to use this old system um, and still use it to earn your salvation, and Paul has to come in and actually affirm his authority from heaven. He goes, I actually wasn't, you know, no one laid hands on me and give, gave me my uh, apostolic leadership. It actually came straight from Jesus himself. And so it's important to see this in, in this passage of him affirming his, his 
his leadership is because he's going, I'm stating this because God himself actually gave this to me. It's not from a man going, yeah, it's probably good not to do that system. Let's go with grace instead. But Paul's actually going, no, God appointed me. Please, I need you to hear this. And so when someone else in the community is coming in to tell you to turn away from the message that I gave you, this is Paul, he's saying, that's not right. Please hear me again. And in fact, Peter was rebuked in Galatians. I don't know if you know, but imagine if like the leader of the church today was just rebuked by another one in public. That's how serious this topic was. Paul's like, hey, by the way, I also had to rebuke Peter in front of you because he was trying to agree with the group that are, of Jews that are going, no, you need to be circumcised. You need to do the rights-based things. You need to do performance-based uh, Christianity. And Paul's going, no, no, hey, Peter, that's actually not on. One moment you're eating with the, the Gentiles saying you don't need those things, and then you're trying to be friends over here and go, you got to still perform them. And Paul's going, uh-uh, no way. And he gets to this statement that I just love. I think it sums it up. 5 verse 1. I'm going to read actually 431 for you. So then believers, we who are born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for his purpose, are not children of a slave woman, the natural but of the free woman, the supernatural. And it's verse, verse 1 here in chapter 5. It was for freedom, for this freedom, that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you once removed. The message translation says, uh, stand your ground, never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Incredible imagery. I don't know if you, you know what a yoke you know, the things they put on, on horses, you know, we talk about it in, in church life a lot, you know, because Jesus says my yoke is, is, is easy, my burden is light. This concept of back then the slavery, you know, they were used to the custom of slavery. So Paul's saying don't chuck this harness back on of this old system that's going to bind you from experiencing what Christ came to redeem us. See, there's this legalism, right? There's this, it's this sense of I've got to earn my way to salvation. I've, I, I've got to play my part and actually participate, and that is good, that's sanctification, it's a part of this, but not. <laughs> there's this doing and being, this earning and receiving, this driven and called, there's this battle that goes on within us, this flesh and spirit, and Paul's saying, don't put that burden back on of legalism and circumcision and thinking you got to do things in order to earn your salvation or earn your love from Jesus. It's, 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 it's messed up. See, the, the old system, the law, this, it gets me every time I think about it, and, and I'm sure Chardon, also fantastic, by the way, that we have you here this morning. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah, <laughs> I, might, I might just say it was actually amazing. He was texting me. We, ha we were supposed to have someone else come and visit us this morning, and um, he apologized, and, and nothing, you know, of wrongdoing, of anything like that. And he says, hey, look, are, are you happy for me to come? I'm happy to just jump in and fill in that spot. Chardon's actually our global creative director. He's, like, incredibly full-scheduled. Um, like, he's got a lot on his plate, and last, he doesn't need to just come and, and be with us this morning, but he just, he offered himself, I just thank you for your, uh, your friendship, your authenticity, um, yes, thank you for just coming to just worship with us, and I know that's your heart, just to be with us this morning, um, so good, and we're going to spend some more time in worship, might just cut the message down a little bit so we can spend more time with Charter leading us in worship. <laughs> so there was ten commandments. Then that got turned into 613, um, and in fact, there's a, a, a text called the uh, Apocrypha, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, some other um, Hebrew people are like, that's not how you say it, sorry. Um, 
And it was like 2,300 pages of more detailed things that actually weren't even related to God's law. They were just extra things and burdens and bindings and heavy weight that made you, you had to tick all of them in order to become the holiest people in society. What? Like, this is, this is crazy, right? This is the system. And, and I feel like this creeps in to our world, right? We, we, we have this legalism can get in to our, our hearts, it can get into our minds, it can get in around in every little detail of our world if we're not careful. And that's why, you know, he says, he goes, this, this harness of slavery that you, and the Amplified says, which you once removed. So we've removed this when we received Jesus and received grace, but we go back to it and we don't even realize it. Um, A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If we're just constantly thinking that God is this almighty, powerful smiter of all of our actions and honing in and making sure that we follow every religious step of the way, that's going to affect our thinking and our interaction with our relationship with him. Even after receiving grace in the gospel of Jesus, we'll go back to this concept of God is still the one smiting us and we have to pay the penalty for all of our sins even though we know Jesus is taking care of them and we can slip back into this. And, uh, and we see it with our kids too. God revealed this to me and um, just yesterday I felt challenged to give it a try and see the effects on my children. And it wasn't just yesterday, I've done it before. I forget what book it was. I think my wife encouraged me to do it. To practice outworking grace. Um, my boys were just not being the typical, you know, beautiful, right, Christian boys that are just perfect and loving. And, <laughs> um, and we parents, you know, we sometimes, we're, you know, we are not as full of grace as what Jesus is. <laughs> so you get to moments where you're like, all right, that's enough. I've already told you enough. I've counted to three. Here's your, this is it. I've told you three, go to my room. I call it my office where my desk is. I said, go to my office. Um, and they wait, knowing that they're going to get a, a spanking. Um, and it gives me a chance to kind of settle down so I'm not disciplining in, uh, in my own frustration. But I walked in, I felt God going, why don't you give them a piece of chocolate instead? But that doesn't tick the boxes of parenting, right? It's like, why would you give them chocolate when they've just been doing the wrong thing over and 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 over? It's, 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 I mean, you're kind of setting, I'm setting myself up for another failure later down on in the day. But I walked in, and I took out the spoon, I showed them the, the spoon, I placed it there, and they both start crying. I'm like, please, please just hear me out. I'm trying to, <laughs> like, settle down. And the two-year-old, the cute one who was in the Hampers video, and everyone, oh, he's sitting there just crying, going, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, listen, I took this, and I said, this is what your behavior deserves. I took the spoon, and they both, you know, trying to fight back tears, going, are we still getting that? I placed it in the drawer, put it back. I said, but Jesus did this for all of us. He said, mercy is not giving you the punishment you deserve. But grace, I pulled out a piece of chocolate, and their eyes lit up. And then from then on, they couldn't really hear me. I think the lesson was more for me. <laughs> They're like, I want chocolate? I'm like, okay, just hear me out. Let me finish my message, kids. You know, like... <laughs> I pulled out the chocolate and I broke it and I gave one to each and I said, but this is what Jesus did. He not only paid the penalty and didn't allow us to receive what we deserved, he gave us grace and his undeserved favor. I said, here, receive this. I said, this is what Jesus did for you. I want to teach my boys about grace. They immediately opened their arms. They gave me a hug. They said sorry for their behavior. I didn't tell them to say sorry. 
They changed, their whole demeanor changed. They had experienced grace on a small measure. But as parents, sometimes we can get stuck into just legalism with our kids. You did this, that means you get a spanking. Oh, you did good, you did your chores, you ticked the list, you can have your allowance now. And we fall into it. It's, so, it's, it's subtle too, we can get caught in this legalism because it's, it's what we know, it's our formation. I love the scripture that in Romans 12, right, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. That's not just meaning lustful sins. That's the patterns of legalism that control our mind and our thinking. But he says, get away from the patterns of this world, that thinking that you've got to earn your right to receive salvation. He goes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind into Christ, which is grace. It's all grace. We've got to get rid of the pattern that binds us like a harness of slavery. Wow. I just, I mean, I felt like my boys walked out with the chalk and I'm just going, man, God, may I never forget the feeling of grace at any moment of my life. Christ has set us free to live a free life. And this moment right here, we got, this is about this morning, this is about taking a stand against the patterns of legalism that still exist in our world today that make us believe that we have to still earn our salvation, that we have to... Uh, pay for to perform and, and pursue excellence, pursue holiness in order to receive salvation. And that is a lie from the enemy. We're going to break that off this morning. I believe we're going to receive freedom and hope because knowing that Jesus has paid it already, and that's the grace of God. That's the hope this morning that we can just walk in grace this morning no matter where you're at on the pursuit of holiness journey and disciplines or if you're on your worst day needing God's grace and realizing that more than ever in your life. It doesn't matter which side of that scale you're on. We all need grace more and more. And there's this, um, there's this analogy. Have we got that, Mitch? We ended up getting that. You're incredible. You just give the production team a... Uh. I had a little photo that I screenshotted out of a book. Um, and I was like, look, I was going to try and put this into a photo for the slides, Mitch, but I just, like, uh, I just put it in my notes anyway. And he's like, oh, let me see it. And he just takes a screenshot of my notes and it does this. Thank you, Mitch. Um, there's a concept that I, um, a really great analogy. I want to see this because I feel like, it, it, I mean, it helped me. It set me free when I was reading this. Uh, uh, Jerry Bridges, he wrote a book called The Discipline of Grace, uh, and meaning that we walk in grace, but we still have a pursuit of holiness. But he, he, he paints this picture that, you know, we have from birth, and then the moment we, we, we have our initial uh, salvation, which is we, we have been saved and being saved, and there's a lot of, that goes on with that. But we have our birth, and then we have salvation, and you can see where the gospel leads us to realizing we need salvation. So the gospel leads us to receive salvation, but then somewhere along the way, we think we get to salvation and we don't need the gospel of grace anymore. We move into discipleship, disciplines, holiness, and service before we enter our death and go to heaven. Does that make sense? Can you see that? That somewhere along the way, we've forgotten that the gospel is grace for when we're on our worst day and when we're on our best day and the gospel is supposed to stretch all the way across. And I just think, what an incredible thing. But when we, we go from salvation, we think that the sinner who's lost hasn't received Jesus, that's the gospel. But for some reason, we, we, we may be on our, on our worst day and, and we can get caught in two, two sides of this, this gospel and legalism. Legalism doesn't, isn't just about um, the good performance that you know, we're seeing. You know, say we might see, for example, someone on staff. This is just an example. I'm not saying that staff are more holy. <laughs> Please hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> but as an example, the Pharisees, right? They were the ones in society that were physically, you, know, you could see them. They were the, the examples of what holiness should look like. 
and this still creeps into our world today. Life group leaders, department leaders, uh, pastors, and we can see that we think that that's all the performance side of things, but there's another weight that comes under that we can receive the grace of God, but then when we have a really bad day, we forget that God's grace is there to cover that just as much. We can get caught in shame and guilt and condemnation, which is legalism, because it's meaning I'm not good enough to receive salvation. So there's that place, but then you get on the other side of going, man, I've been following the Bible app this year. I've been following the plan. I've been praying one hour this every day. I'm like, whoo, I'm, I'm killing it. This is, you kidding me? Have you seen my, my discipleship journey? Have you seen my, I mean, I'm doing all the, all the right things, right? We get caught, because it doesn't actually matter what side of legalism you're on. If you're desperately needing Jesus and you're aware of this state of consciousness going, I actually really need Jesus. Mind you, I hope we all stay there, because that's, that's the, the aim with grace. But then we get caught in this pursuit of excellence and performance that takes away from the gospel of Jesus, which there's nothing we can do to receive. Ephesians 2, 8, this was a saving passage as a young man trying to understand grace. We often like to get straight to verse 10 because um, it says we are, we are his workmanship made to do good things, right? So that, that feels good in here. It's like, yeah, I got a purpose. I got things to do. God set, set me apart, and, you know, and that's important. But just before that, I think, is so vital to understanding that work. I'm going to read for you. For it is by grace... God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from the judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God, not as a result of your works nor the attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. And then it goes on to explain that we're made for works got two little things, or not points, but just thoughts that I'd love for you to take and keep in your heart with the message of grace is one that we cannot even contribute to the gospel for our salvation. You know the, um, you know the ad, the Aussie ad, where people get invited to go to a barbecue? And they're like, oh, don't bring anything. Um, I feel like this all the time. You're like, you don't need to bring anything? I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm still going to bring something. You can't stop me. I'm going to bring it. Right? And, uh, and then the ad is the favorites chocolate. You go and get a box of favorites. Um, we can't do that with our salvation. We can't contribute chocolates to the party of our salvation. There's literally nothing in scriptures. There's, we can't even so much as contribute a little bit by our own effort. It's all Jesus. There was, he was the only one perfect to fulfill that law so that we could receive grace. Uh, just incredible. But, so we cannot contribute to it and we cannot take credit for it. We just literally have to receive the grace of God and our salvation with him. How freeing to know. Now this doesn't mean that we, uh, Paul also says in other passages, does that mean that we just keep on sinning because we've got abundant grace? It's like, no, no, seriously. <laughs> like, um, you're, you're messing that one up too, but we can get to that later. Um, the man who, who gave that analogy, he says this, that sums it up really well. He says, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace, and your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. I'll read it again. Your worst days are never so bad 
that you are beyond the reach. This morning, if you are in a place where you have felt like you have, could not possibly stuff your life up anymore, God's grace is here in this place, and you are not so far from the reach of God's hand this morning to redeem the moment you, re, you return to Christ, that he is redeeming, he is going to bring life and life abundant. The enemy wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy, but you are not out of the reach of God's grace. And on our best days, we are never so good that we are beyond the need of God's grace. In the pursuit of our holiness and transformation journey with Christ, can we never forget that we always need God's grace to do it? It's always in God's grace. It's always Jesus. He was always the one who fulfilled it for us. I was recently given a gift uh, by some, some dear friends, and the team can come and join me. We're going to spend some time in worship because I believe... I believe this can bind us up a lot. And, and I, I really felt, this morning I sat down in my time with God and I was going to go, all right, I'm going to leave my, you know, my preach out of my mind and just spend time with him. And I opened up to where I last read off and it was just a whole passage on Jesus having to go at the Pharisees for legalism. <laughs> I was like, uh, all right. So I read that and God kind of just encouraged me that this is a really big thing to him because without the grace of God, we are We are nothing. And we, we bind ourselves back up into thinking we've got to perform in order to have God's love. We have to perform in order to receive our salvation. That's just a lie from the enemy. And I was like, okay, you know, I had that time. And then I was like, well, that, I'll try and get away from the legalism grace thought again. And I went on to my devotional book and opened it up. And sure enough, it was the exact same topic again. It was about receiving the, God, the grace of God. And there's nothing we can do to perform to receive it. So I believe this morning that God wants to wash and set us free.